Hi everyone. This is actually a bonus episode. I had the honor and privilege of being a guest on the Gen Minority Podcast with Shelly and Tony. They are the cutest couple and they have an awesome podcast that discusses first gen issues that we experience and a lot of things that we have to deal with as being a first gen person. I was a guest on their show and this is the episode that's already posted on their podcast. I'll make sure that I link them in the show notes, but I wanted to make sure that I also release it to you guys as a bonus track before next week's regular episode. So without further ado, I hope that you guys follow both shows and that you enjoy the content that we put together today. Adios. Hi guys, welcome to Gen Minority Podcast with Chelly and Tony. And today we are so excited because we have our first guest host, Melly Ramirez from Chingona's Only Club. Hi, Melly. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good. You're doing good. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you guys today. So I know. And thank you for TikTok for connecting us and how we found yeah. each other. <laughs> People are yeah. age need to use TikTok more. <laughs> I know. I know. I think I think the older generation, like millennials, they're not like let's split. You know, like half of us yeah. are on, half of us are not. So I'm like, hey, if you want to connect up. with really cool people, get on TikTok because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, half of my friends have it, half of them don't. And I'm just like, it's the coolest community. There's so many awesome Latinas mm-hmm. on there, and like yeah. you have to get on it to get with yeah. the times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. So, by the way, I love the name of your podcast, Chingona's Only Club. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and how you, what made you get started? Yeah. Um, so, as you mentioned, um, the, the name of my podcast is Chingona's Only Club. I just started it in May. Uh, May 10th was the official launch date for the pod. I can genuinely tell you that I have probably for the vast majority of my life wanted to do something uh, in any kind of platform. Mostly I thought writing was going to be where I would end up um, to essentially tell the story of, of immigrants, of undocumented and a non, an undocumented kind of story. And the reason for that was because I went through and experienced it personally myself, and I really wanted to share that with everybody because it seemed like every time I would share people my personal experience, particularly being in the military, many people had no idea and have no idea the amount of undocumented people and Latinos who go through this very same thing. Uh, and they, and therefore they don't empathize with the immigration issues. They treat it as something so distant and something, you know, it's a yucky word. Nobody wants to talk about it. And being in the military and having experienced these things, it shocks them because they don't know that about me before they get to enjoy me as a person. So it's almost like they almost have to give it a chance. They have to give the immigration discussion a chance for the very first time. And so I wanted to always have a way to communicate that to people. And I always wanted to be a writer. And I thought that was going to be something I would do when I retired. And I was old and crusty and had the time, money and knowledge to do that. And a friend from the Momster podcast, she actually asked me to be on one of her episodes because she wanted to talk about motherhood and how our immigrant experience impacted us. And I did, and it was so much fun. And I not only had a blast doing it, but I was like, my interest was peaked and I was like, Hey, how do you, so how do you start a podcast? And she sat down with me and was like, girl, it is so easy. You just can start from scratch with nothing. And if you feel like it's something that you're passionate about, then just go ahead and do it. And she gave me some tips and I dove like head first. Like I took in all the material, all the videos, all the podcasts on how to start a podcast Yeah, (laughs) because I wanted to know everything because I'm a perfectionist and I was like I need to know how to do it and then one day I just decided to just hit record and I recorded my first episode 
which is called the first chingona and it was an ode to my mom and that's why it was released on may 10th which is Diaz de mayo mexican mother's day and mm -hmm. that kind of became the theme and that's how i ended up here <laughs> but mm -hmm. ultimately the name chingona it's a traditionally a mexican slang word that we yeah. use to highlight the badassery that is you know women Latinas. Yes. But my my goal was really to tell the story of women, not just Latinas, but I wanted to encompass all women from all different backgrounds because in a way it was a means to share our culture and get more people on board with the term to say, hey, you can be a chingona too, because at the end of the day, women's issues are women's issues. Mm -hmm. If you're black, white, or brown, we're all, we're all chingonas in our own right smaller big accomplishments it doesn't matter and so that was really the focus of the pot oh i love yeah. it Thank yeah i the first when i first found you the first video of yours that i saw was the one about your dad and i just really connected with that because i loved how you're doing something similar to us where you're sharing your vulnerable personal stories and that's so important. I feel like our stories need to be heard and a lot of people can relate. So I just, I love your content and I'm so glad that we get to share today and share our own experiences on the topic for today. So I put a video up maybe a few weeks ago now about the, the struggle and guilt that we feel as first gen of wanting to take care of our parents and be able to give them the world. And so you messaged me and really related with that. And yeah. so I thought today we can, you know, kind of go in, maybe get a little bit deep. We have the <laughs> tissues ready if necessary and um, kind of just share that, that struggle that we, that we experience. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you want to get started of, of how you feel about that and your own personal experience. Yeah, so your video really did resonate with me because you, uh, I think your the main topic or what you were asking was if other first gen immigrants or Latinos felt any guilt or about the amount of guilt that we felt uh, because we expect of ourselves to be able to take care of our parents, but we're not in a place where we can do so. And all the guilt that comes with that. And so when I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, girl, you are preaching to the choir. Of course I feel guilty. Uh, and I, I think I, I think it's important to differentiate for this topic that my parents don't expect me to take care of them because a lot of people do have parents like that who expect them to take care of them and expect them to provide for them in their old age. My parents do not. It's an expectation that like, yeah, we've set for ourselves, I think, that it's not a burden. It's not something that they've said. It's we want to take care of our parents. And I think that's a important thing to distinguish. Um, very, very true. So, yeah, when when I saw your video, I was like, yeah, I want to take care of, I want to take, I, I say parents, but it's just my mom. I want to take care of my mom. And that has always been kind of the dream, you know, why do you go to, why was education the thing that we sought, we fought and sought after so much when we came to this country or when our parents brought us into this country? Why was it like drilled in our heads? It was so that we could grow up, get a fancy job and retire our parents. I feel like that's the unspoken American dream. <laughs> yeah but it's not so easy and it's not so black and white and there's so many challenges that come with that uh, i have my own children i have three three boys and it's a little bit conflicting to say this but my children essentially are also preventing me from being able to take care of my parents because my attention my financial my money my time my efforts are focused on them and it um, and it feels so crappy for both parties to say that out loud because I don't want to blame my kids or my family but I don't want to make my other family feel like they don't matter or that they're not on the same level of importance or care for me I'm not sure how you guys deal with that yeah 
Yeah, well, I'll say that for me, like, I've always had this dream, even growing up, like, I was pretty aware of, like, money problems that my parents were dealing with. It was, like, and I was pretty, like, I don't know, I always have, I've carried the guilt of, like, feeling like I was a burden, I guess, in a sense, to my parents, which is partly why at some time I decided to join the, the military was because I just wanted to kind of... Like, for me, it was like, oh, one less mouth to feed, you know, I'll just go do my own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, Melly, when we talked last time, you kind of mentioned something similar. Yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, that for me has always been a real feeling since I was a kid, which is crazy, you know. And I've always had this kind of dream of, like, I'm trying to be able to give back to my parents or provide for them. I think the obvious way is financially, but that's just not feasible, right? I mean. Correct. But, it, but yeah, there's always just that kind of... um. I don't know. It's just a very frustrating thing because we work hard to try to do better for ourselves. And even though we are, we're still kind of limited as far as how much we can help, you know, or in ways that we can help. Yeah. Yeah. There's always more that I want to give than I actually can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love too how you said, Melly. It's because from our experiences too, our parents aren't putting this burden on us, but somehow we still grow up having it. So like yeah. you said, I don't know if it's like that stereotype American dream where, you know, you have all these advantages coming to this country. And so the expectation is that you're become wealthy and you have generational wealth and you take care of your parents. And so it's weird that somehow, even though our parents haven't put that burden on us, we created it or, yeah. or taking it on. Yeah. Because I feel the now. same way. Like you were saying, where even now being an adult and talking to my parents and I've been sharing with them the skill I feel and they've reminded me, we just want you to be happy. Like we don't expect you to financially take care of us. I mean, of, of course we want you to, like we have a, a good relationship to, if some things get hard for them, be there for them, but yeah, not financially take care of them and I'm like well, where did I get this from then and why do I carry it and it's still so hard to break even yeah. after they've told me like just enjoy life be happy that's all we we made all these sacrifices for you I, so, can't, so I, don't I, know think, I think it's because you don't want to feel ungrateful right they they always say and I and I think that unintentionally they put this burden on us because I don't think any parent would do that intentionally any good parent at least i don't yeah, think that exactly. they would. but my my parents countless times just like you said always made sure to remind us how fortunate we were to be in this country mm. and to have all the opportunities that we had being completely blind to the fact that at least for me i was brought here as an undocumented child i was put at every possible disadvantage than any other kid my age and any other kid who I grew up with. Um, while people were applying for college, I was trying to scrape 75 bucks together so that I could put in one single college application because that's how much it cost when I was applying. And I couldn't, I didn't have the heart to ask my mom because I knew how much $75 cost her. And, yeah. and while they say, yeah, you have all these opportunities and you have good grades and you know I had a 4.0 GPA but I didn't have $75 to apply for college and I didn't mm -hmm. I couldn't qualify for any type of financial aid I didn't qualify for for anything DACA was not a thing I mean it was horrible and at the same time I continued to hear what a fortunate kid I was for having mm -hmm. all the opportunities that my parents did not and and so I, for me, like I grew up with that mentality that I was so very lucky and I was so very fortunate. And in a sense, I am now, um, but growing up that way was super, super difficult, not just for me, but for my mom, she like, we couldn't help her. Like we weren't like teenagers who could go get jobs because we couldn't legally be employed. We were teenagers who were just at our house, our only job was to go to school and get good grades, but we never thought beyond that. Like, how do we get from high school to the next level? Because there is nothing for us. Um, and I think that my mom, she shouldered that burden alone and raising three kids. It was three of us. And we got to see her go to work. 
I saw my mom. I told you guys she was a street vendor. I remember uh, she used to sell hot dogs. I don't know if you guys have ever been to LA, LA hot dogs, but they're the bacon wrap ones. Um, yeah. I remember seeing my mom at like 11 or 12 o'clock at night wrapping the hot dogs. Like very oh, wow. vividly remember she would wrap them all and she would put them back in the box once they were all wrapped and she would do like two three four boxes of us like 200 hot dogs that she would do every single day oh. in preparation for her next morning and when she sold fruit she would prepare all of her fruit the night before and make sure that everything was perfectly packaged so that she could easily transport her little carrito down the fourth story apartment building that we lived in uh, and there was no childcare. She used to put us in a, in a fruit crate and in, in, in the cart and we would go with her until we were old enough to go to school. So seeing that and knowing that I never had to do that, of course I feel guilty. I feel yeah. bad. My mom didn't intend for that to happen. It was just the only way she could do it. But I feel terrible because I get to go to this job. I'm in the military. I do HR for the military. So... I deal with people's pay, people's benefits. That's all I do every day. Um, I get to sit in an office and just work all day from this office. And I have I my plants on my window. And <laughs> yeah. I have... Don't have to worry about the right. weather. Right. You know? you know, I my right now in LA, it's like there's like a heat wave. Right, it's like a hundred degrees. I don't know, and she's out there making quesadillas because that's what she sells now. She sells quesadillas, and like in the hot sun, and she's in her fifties now. And like, I, I think about that because I'm over here, uh, almost taking things for granted at times when I allow myself to just enjoy, you know, my life. And then there's this tremendous amount of guilt that like just aches of why can't my mom enjoy this. And I can't give that to her as much as I want to. It's it's really, really hard. So I don't think they did it intentionally, but I think they, they did it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like, yeah, like growing up was, yeah, because I'm, I'm in a different place. Like you said, like I'm in office now and I always think like, damn, my mom's like probably out there working in the fields, like under the mm -hmm. hot sun, like. I was thinking about like, damn, like how physically taxing that is to the body, how long that she'll be able to do it, you know, and I don't know, it, it does bring me a lot of guilt because I've also, I, I spent summers doing that with her too, so I know how hard it is. And yeah. for her to be doing this since I was a kid, I'm 31 now and she's still doing it. Yeah. And not even, I mean, that's just part of it, right? But then you don't have like, for me or for us, we have some stability in our in our careers right in our jobs like we can expect to go in the next day for some of these people for at least for my parents you know you're kind of everything's up in the air because weather you know you're working outside it rains it rains too much you might need to stop working if it's too hot hey yeah. it's really you have to suck it up or, or or you know or or leave i mean sometimes you just have to suck it up because you're trying to make money to pay for your the weather bills, but, impacts I mean, your income yeah, yeah. So it's crazy it's not like oh i want to work you know but yeah. i can't it's that kind of thing so it's just a um i don't know like it's been yeah to me it just seems like a lot of things are stacked up against us but especially yeah. against our my parents our parents because they're coming from another they've come from another country and they they just have big disadvantages yeah I, yeah so yeah, yeah it's just a frustrating issue for me all around yeah it's so crazy because you're right it makes it hard to enjoy the things that are simple to us but when you relate it to your, mm -hmm. our parents they never had sick days having benefits like mm -hmm. things that i don't really think of and then when i really think about it i'm like my my dad the other day he hurt his back at work and um he's still out there though you know i was like hey are you gonna take some days to rest and he that man never rests and somehow he's like i feel better if i'm moving around sitting down isn't going to do anything and it scares you because especially as i get older then seeing my parents get older mm -hmm. you realize they're not you know when you're younger you think they're invincible yeah. and then as you get older, yeah you're like oh wow they work so hard and then yeah. you get older and older like dang they're working hard and it's not like where's the money go it's not enough it doesn't matter hard 
Yeah. Well, I think what the one thing about your dad is he didn't tell his job, which is like the one thing. Also, like also because he's been at this company for a long time, but he my still whole feels life like, he's been at this job. He feels like a sense of like, damn, I can't like maybe a lot of gratitude for having this job, but at the same time, he's not like like he he has a right to these workers' comp benefits, mm -hmm. you know. My parents right? have that mentality that they have to earn their breaks and they have to earn their rest. And oh, it's yeah. not an entitlement. It's, a, it's almost uh -huh. like a like a prize that you have to work so hard for before yeah. you can even touch it. And it's insane. <laughs> That's so funny because like I can think about like even the, when I was in the fields, you're working under the hot sun, and then like okay, it's break time, and then like I remember vividly like moments where we're like making not making fun, but like talking shit about the people that are, oh, you know, Levan, they're gossiping over there and, uh -huh. and then they're taking a break or whatever, or they're going to the bathroom again. I'm like, yeah, people have to use the bathroom. Like, why does it have yeah. to be? Or it's hot. They need more deal, water. You know, like, hydrated. Yeah. I just, yeah, but that's perfectly said. Like people have to feel like they're like, it's a prize and like they have to earn it when it's really is just a right. It's that hustle mentality that we thrive on so much, but at the same time, we've been doing it for so long that it's burned us out i think our generation at least like mm -hmm. their generation is still because they still don't have the same privileges that we do and so because we have the stuff they don't which is like you said sick days and things like that we allow ourselves to feel the burnout and they don't understand it we're completely disconnected in that sense if i told my mom Hey mom, like I went to see a doctor for like mental health or whatever. Oh my gosh. She's like, what is wrong with you? Like, no, don't, don't do that. Like just push through it. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, no, I'm good. And like, they don't, they just don't relate that. Hey, you, that hustle mentality is great and all. And it's really gotten me as far as I've gotten, but it's also laid so much on me that I'm tired and, and it sucks because like I said, I still have so much further to go to be able to get to the point where I can care for my mom and yeah. you're burned out. You're burned out by this, by this society that really just takes everything from you. If you give your job everything, they'll keep taking it at no point are they going to be like, Oh no, guys, take a break. Slow down. We don't need that much productivity from you. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. <laughs> rolls around, that's for sure. Yeah, but it's funny you mentioned um, that, that like, your, your journey to the military. I could tell you that I never considered joining the military. It was never a thing that I saw myself doing, ever. My whole point of getting my residency was so that I could go to school. School was my passion. It was something that I wanted to do. Like I told you guys, I wanted to be a writer someday. And I was like, I need to, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to study literature, which I'm so glad I did it because I would probably be an employee right now. But <laughs> I figured that <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is my goal. This is my passion. And I think I shared with you guys and I shared it on my podcast a couple of times that as an undocumented person, I was deported when I was 19. And so when I came back, finally at 21, after two years of not seeing my family, the person that I valued most and really learned to value, because up until that point, our relationship was very tumultuous, was my mother. Because suddenly it was like I was placed in her shoes when I was deported. Mm -hmm. Because although I was born in Mexico, I was thrown into a country that essentially at the age of 19, I did not know. And I had to figure out how to work. I had to grow up super fast. I had to really learn how to live in this country that was completely foreign to me with no support because I didn't have it. And suddenly I realized that's what my mom had been doing with three kids our entire lives. And all of her rules and never her anger, her outbursts, all the things that I really resented about her as a teenager, I, they kind of slapped me in the face and smacked me back into reality. And I was like, wow, I'm an asshole. I've been a horrible daughter 
to that up until that point i didn't realize it and it was really hard it was really hard to miss the person that you swore that you just absolutely did not like or want in your life because she was this and she was that and and when i was in Me in mexico i realized that the only person who really loved me and understood me and was there for me for the entire two years that i was there was my mother when i was in mexico my mom was working the entire time to pay legal fees to send me money to make sure that i was eating and make sure you know just whatever it took and when i came back i only cared about her like i just wanted to see my mom because I wanted to tell her face to face that I was sorry for being mm -hmm. a horrible daughter before I left and for causing her so much pain on top of all the things that she already had to struggle just by being a undocumented mother. And my first two nights at home, sorry. Oh, <laughs> no worries, yeah. My, my first two nights at home, with my brothers like they were like um it's like you're in this bubble of like joy right i hadn't seen them in so long and we were just hugging and just eating and and laughing and just catching up my nephew was born the day that i was allowed back into the country so i mm -hmm. actually got to see him come home from the hospital which i never thought i would even see so it was just like this uh, enormous amount of bliss that was surrounding my family and my return home and then it was like a saturday and then monday came around and just like every fucking monday <laughs> every week it sucked because then everybody everybody goes back to reality right everybody has to go back to work school and you know the the laughing and the joking and the all that just kind of the bubble burst and i remember sleeping in my mom's living room because she lived in a tiny apartment still, and I was sleeping on the floor in the living room. And when I heard her getting ready for work, it reminded me of when I was a kid. And my mom was always getting ready for work. Every morning I would wake up at the sound of my mom's like, yeah, like moving stuff around, floor, like moving trastes in the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, like, yeah. It's I think every, yeah, a lot of people can relate <laughs> like to that. It was her getting ready for work. It just took me, like, core memory unlocked. Like, my mom getting ready for work. I could smell her perfume, and it was just like, I'm home. And she came over, like she always did when I was a little kid. She came over to where I was asleep, and she kneeled down beside me. She gave me a kiss, and she was like, Mija, I te dejé diez dólares. Like she left me $10 on the table so that I could buy myself lunch or if I wanted to go have a snack outside of the house. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely broke me. My mom leaving to work and leaving me $10, you know, like she did when I was a kid so that I could go buy something. And it hurt because I realized at that moment that my mom would have to continue to care for me. That I, yes, I was back and yes, I was a legal resident, but I didn't have a job. I didn't have any experience. I had no idea what had happened in the American world for the past two years. My life was on pause and everybody else, the world just kept on moving. And I couldn't catch up. I couldn't catch up. And I got it in my head that I needed to, because my mom had fought so hard to bring me back home and that I knew that she would take care of me as long as she needed to, because that's just how she is. That's how her parents are, right? Yeah. They're always there for you. And I, and I couldn't let her do that anymore. And so I called um, my friend, who is now my husband, by the way, <laughs> him because he had a car and he lived five minutes away from me. And I was like, hey, can I get a ride from you? And he was like, yeah, where do you want, want me to take you? And I was like, to downtown. And he was like, yeah. But I didn't tell him is that I asked him to take me to the recruiting office. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, you can test right now or you can wait. And, and I was like, I'll test right now. Like, let's go. Let's take our ASVAB. And I, I didn't care what I was going to score or anything. And I took my ASVAB there on the spot. 
And the recruiter was like, oh, you scored a 74. You can have any job in the Navy you want. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, I'm not a citizen. And he's like, you can only have one job. And I was like, oh, okay. Because if you're not a citizen, then you can't get a clearance. And if you Mm. can't get a clearance, then all of the awesome jobs that you get because of your score, then they're just taken away. And the only thing I could do was be an electrician. Which I was like, I don't know anything about electricity, but sure, whatever. <laughs> and so I joined the Navy as an electrician and I left two weeks later and I didn't tell my mom. Two weeks? Wow. That's, a that's big, so fast. So fast. You didn't even tell your mom, huh? You just. I didn't tell her or my brothers because if I told my mom, then she would try to stop me because I had just mm. been gone and separated from them for two years. I honestly. I was severely depressed without my family in Mexico and I, I had given up by the time that immigration services sent me a letter to tell me that I had an appointment in Ciudad Juarez. I had already given up on ever coming back home by then it had been two years and two months and I never thought I'd see home again, leaving again, my mom knowing exactly like how devastating it was for me to be apart from them the first time she was incredible when she was like heartbroken yeah we left so quickly i was only home for two weeks and then i left and my brother was super mad he was so angry with me because he's a daca recipient now but at that point he wasn't daca wasn't in place yet And so he was at that moment going to a community college so that he could transfer to a university and get his degree. And he was paying for everything cash, like he was working Mm -hmm. and he was getting paid under the table. And then he was using that money and he was paying it cash. Uh, And he was living with my mom while doing all this. So he was struggling to get his education. And so he was like, you finally have a fucking opportunity. You have more than I could ever wish for and you're running away and he basically told me you pick the easy easy way and I don't know if he still feels that way you know but that always stuck with me that he thinks that this was easy an easy choice or whatever because far from it like yeah everybody has their different perspective yeah Yeah. I'm sure your brother was going through his own experience his own yeah his his own own guilt maybe even too you know so yeah and um and so i left and i immediately like my first paycheck went to my mom when i was in boot camp my friend like i said who is now my husband but now that i think of it it's so dumb right because people trust the wrong people all the time but for some reason i just trusted him with everything and i was like hey uh, I, my mom, as an undocumented person at that time, couldn't even have a bank account. I couldn't like wire her money from boot camp. So what I had to do is I had to mail him my debit card and he would go and pull money out for her monthly and then take it to her house. And like this dude could have taken all my money. You no, know, it's like way <laughs> taking your credit card, your yeah. debit card. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's some level of trust at he least. He could have so. taken yeah. me for everything, which was not much, but whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm so glad he didn't. I'm so stupid now. And think about, it, I'm like, I can't just pull my credit card, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> and when I graduated from boot camp, I was really sad because I was super proud, right? Because it it hit me that like I was doing something for this country that I called my own for so long and was never really allowed to be a part of. And so I had like a great sense of service, but it was a very sad day when I graduated because none of my family as undocumented people could travel to see me graduate. So I was by myself. I last minute, I bought my friend uh <laughs> flight and he came he flew out to chicago and he was there the day i graduated boot camp but he was the only one and it and it's and it's kind of been like that right my entire life just i can never have my family be a part of anything really um but through every everything that i was doing it was always about my mom it was always like how can i help her 
How can I continue to climb this ladder and make the next pay grade so that I can make more money so that I can take care of my mom? And for Uh a while I did, but once I had kids, then everything changed because then I have to take care of my children. I just send my mom like... That's how it feels, you know? Yeah, it's it's hard. And, And also... It's not just a financial thing, right? You guys moved away from like your family, like you're still close, but like you still moved away and Mm -hmm. it's hard not to be there for them and care for them for the everyday things. At least for me, like that's that really sucks when mom's not doing well, when she doesn't feel okay. And I know she doesn't have anybody there to take care of her. Um, Yeah, Yeah, that must make it harder. Yeah, because for me, like, I have my siblings that are in town and whatnot. And I still feel guilt about, like, oh, I can't help my mom with, like you said, like, the everyday things and whatnot. But at least for, in my case, I have siblings that are there in the same town. You do, too. So But you still feel like. You still feel like, oh, I I could be doing these things for my mom. If I lived in the same town. So You wouldn't have to ask them. Because you feel bad that you're always asking them to go do stuff and you know they resent you for making them. I definitely feel that, you know. Yeah. I wonder, like, I don't know, I was just thinking, it it popped in my mind, like, oh, like, sometimes it feels like I'm finding, I'm searching to feel some guilt, like, I just need to, and sometimes I just need to be okay with what I can do, you know, so it's. I mean, it's still a struggle, obviously, I'm not like, (laughs) but it was just a thought, like, how much of it is me searching for that guilt because I do know that I have this privilege and like you said earlier like it's not like they asked me to take care of them or that's the expectation from them but it's something that I want to do I think like what you were saying earlier when it hit you in 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 the face like really realizing how much our parents have sacrificed I feel like that didn't really hit me as a child but now becoming a an adult and just still struggling and that's that I feel I have a good career but life is hard life is expensive and we're trying to set ourselves up to start a family and I'm like how did they do it with so much less and never complaining and they poured everything into us that I never felt like we didn't like I know my parents were economically in a different background than other people but I never went without and now being in this in this different stage than they are. And I complain and I'm still see it as a struggle. I think I've just been like mind blown of, and finally feel all that, I guess. Yeah. That feeling grateful, but then feeling so ungrateful for all these years Mm -hmm. that I feel I was just kind of expected it. Right. Which I mean, there are parents, but I just feel amazed as I grow up and I'm like, how do they do it with these laborious jobs and not having the same privileges that I have and never complaining about it. And so sometimes I'm just like, I don't feel deserving of that. And I want to like, you just want to give them the world and you help how you can, you know, even if you can't help financially, it's even though I don't want to get on their nerves, but it's reminding them like, Hey, are you staying healthy? Are you getting to your doctor's appointments? You know, Mm -hmm. um, how are you feeling? And just spending time with them when you can, or even if it's like a phone call, but it just never feels like it'll be enough because no. it's like, I want to pour back into them, but it's hard. Cause then it leaves you, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially yeah. since we're getting ready. And that's why we've postponed having a family. Cause I haven't found that balance yet. Mm-hmm. I guess my yeah. question is for, I guess everybody, and I don't know the answer to it, but like how, what's this, not the solution, but how do we alleviate some of the guilt? Like, what can we do on our end? Is that something, is there anything we can do? Or is this something we have to kind of, what do we have to, I guess, admit or, or just kind of recognize to at least lift a little bit of that yeah. guilt up? Cause I feel yeah. like it's important cause it does like mess with your with your mental health because I can get into some rabbit holes when it comes to like my parents <laughs> yeah. and how much to struggle. But at least lately, the way I try to do it lately is I can't help them as much right now, but I'll be there when they're older and they really need me. Yeah. That's like, how, what I say about it to myself now, but I guess I'm thinking now, okay, what can I do to just yeah. now make that feeling a little bit less intense? I think at least for me, 
Um, I, I don't know if you guys, you guys are, since you guys are on TikTok, uh, there's a poem um, that this, I forget her name, but let's if I could be anyone, I would want to be my mother's mother. Yeah. Which one I'm, I'm, I'm talking about where it says, I love her yeah, poem. Yeah, and it's if I could be anyone, I would want to be my parents' parent, essentially, to say, to give them all of the things that they never had, the love, the patience, the understanding, the concern, the playfulness, basically allow them to be a child because they never got that opportunity. And in a sense, neither did we, but we had it a little more than they did. And I think for me, uh, the only way that when I start to get into these these feelings because they hit me, like you said, it messes with mm-hmm. your mental health and it'll hit me if I have a conversation with my mom and she tells me something so like silly. I, like I had a conversation with her and she told me that she asked me what I was doing and I said, oh, I'm making guacamole, I'm making guacamole. And my mom said, oh my God, I haven't ate an avocado in a month. And I said, why not? And she said, because they're so expensive over here. They're like $3 an avocado mm-hmm. and I kid you not like I couldn't get off the phone quicker just so I could c- cry because here I am my fucking avocados are rotting <laughs> and I can't eat them fast enough I don't know why I keep buying them <laughs> and my mom is telling me this and then I had to just stop because it's a spiral mm-hmm. and talk to my mom and really ask her like Do you want to eat avocados? Yeah, even the smallest thing, right? Like, if I can give you that. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you should have told me that before. You should have led with that because I felt like absolute shit afterwards. And I think the best way to fix that is talking to our parents and asking them what their needs actually are. They, Mm. we keep, we, we attribute their needs mostly to financial and our physical presence and not allowing them also to be so fucking vague and say, I just want you to be happy. Uh Uh-uh. Like, I need you to help me out here. I need you to tell me what's one way that I can help you that, that you need from me. And when I went to LA, I was there for Mother's Day. I hadn't seen my mom in two years because of COVID and she can't travel. Uh, military had a lot of travel restrictions so I couldn't go see her so I went to see her for Mother's Day and I sat down with her and I was like mom like what do you need from me what can I do for you because at the same time our parents are also very independent right they they like their independence (laughs) don't tell them that you're going to do something for them because they're going to tell you they're going to remind you how old they are and how able they are because <laughs> mm. that's how they are but i had a conversation with her and i was just t- asking her about her childhood just because i was doing the podcast the first episode and i wanted to know a little bit more about her because the first you know couple episodes are about her and mm-hmm. she was just like venting like things she never told me as a kid and when we finished i was like are you happy what what's going on what do you want to do with your business like what do you want to do with your quesadilla you know where do you see this going and she started sharing with me that um some of her customers have hired her for like catering events and she's done them but she hasn't been able to, to do like big ones because she didn't have a certain like grill or she didn't have a certain thing and i'm like I can get that for you. I can get that for you. I can help you. It's so small that I'm like, why don't you tell me, tell me. And I I can get that for you. I can't be here physically present every single day for you. But if that's going to make your life a little bit easier and it's something that I can do, then you need to tell me. And I think that our parents lack that communication. Yeah, they can't. They they can't ask for help. (laughs) They have their own guilt because I think ultimately it comes down to them not wanting to feel like a burden to Mm -hmm. us. And we want them to tell us all their needs. And, yeah. and we want to help however we can. That's yeah. kind of funny how that, yeah, it's yeah. like, um, I don't want to feel like a burden. They don't want to feel like a burden. Like us growing up, so, like the role of universe when we get older, it's kind when of When you weird. think about it, it's so stupid. They feel guilty yeah. and we feel guilty. And it's and like, it's hey, can we just meet in the middle and let's just communicate a little bit better, not 
in this general, you know, communication way that we're used to, but like in a very specific way. If I say, hey, I want to help you. What are you having troubles with right now? Don't say nothing. Everything is okay. That doesn't help me. So I need you to meet me in the middle. And so I, I have to talk to my mom the way she used to talk to me as a child. And it's like, hey, I need you to talk to me. I need you to trust me. And I <laughs> and roles get reversed and it's okay. Like, here's what I need. I need to go somewhere and I can't find anyone to take me. And I'm like, bro, I got you. I still know people in LA. Like, let me ask some of my friends and let me see who can drive you to where you need to go. It is something so simple, like going to a doctor's appointment or whatever when my brothers just can't do it. Let me help you. I, I can do that for you. I'll call you a damn Uber. It's yeah. not that hard. But you're so right. We can yeah. do that. Like, yeah. you're sick. Let me send you some Uber Eats. And they're like, what is that? You know, it's so stupid. Like someone will the, the, the door with food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they don't, and to them, that gesture, such a small gesture, seems like the world. And it's not, mm-hmm. but it would make me feel better. It yeah. would certainly make you feel better. But I think the biggest key here is communication. Because if we're just left in our own guilt, like we're never going to, it's never going to be enough. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Melly, I'm like mind blown. Like I felt you saying that. And it's so simple, right? But I felt so much relief. Like, I can do that. I can tell my mom and dad, like, hey, what little thing do you need? So I feel like after this, I'm, I'm going to call them up. <laughs> yeah. I got my mom. Look, this is so funny. So my mom, like any Mexican mom, she has like that that glass armoire thing in her kitchen. Like the, that's just for display. You know, like oh, okay. where they keep yeah, like, like a China. bunch of random like recuerdos from the so every time I give my mom something, um, uh, like I've given her like a toaster oven that she never took out of the box. It's on display. I gave her like a whole new set of like dishes and like things and it's on display and I'm like, what the hell? And so I literally had to call my brother when my mom wasn't home and I was like, I need you to go to the house and you throw out all her old shit. And all her old toaster and her old, I need you to get rid of it because it doesn't work anymore. I got her a coffee pot she never opened. And he like unboxed everything and set it up. <laughs> and she was like, oh my God, like, I don't know how to use it. And that's like her, her, <laughs> like what stops her. Like, I don't know how to use this. Like, it's got too many buttons. And my brother's like there showing her how to do everything. And oh. for Christmas, I got her an air fryer. Like <laughs> a big... <laughs> <laughs> big like a big air fryer because my mom sells food mm-hmm. and she makes salsa she makes a lot of salsa salsa verde salsa roja and all these things right and mexican moms are fucking notorious for almost practically burning down the house every time they're roasting their chiles yes. and and they do it on the stove and they take up the whole stove so when my mom's making salsa she can't make anything else because she has a little stove and so I was like, let me buy her this air fryer because when I make salsa, I roast all the veggies all at once in my air fryer and the house isn't smoking and my children aren't coughing up a lung and she has all her burners free and I had to send it to her and I like on FaceTime with mom, okay, take out your chiles and take out your tomatoes and take out your onions and, and put them in there and... And just for shits and giggles, throw a salmon fillet on the top. We did that. And she was like so amazed that uh-huh. it's yeah. she's like, my salsa was done in like five minutes. I've roasted all yeah. of my vegetables. And she's like, you oh, just wow. saved me so much time, so many dishes. So because she doesn't have to do, you know, anything else. I gave her like a hand blender too. So she could just blend the stuff in the containers. Mm-hmm. And she's, oh my God, like, how come I didn't know these sticks exist? <laughs> <laughs> Give me her the tools. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's so, so love simple, it. but she uses it every single day. And she's always like, oh, I made some veggies, or I made some salmon, or made some pollito, or whatever it is that <laughs> she uses her. Yeah. I'm like, like you're, it's so <laughs> funny. Like, she. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's I good that, that you're, like, searching for ways to help how she lives. You know what she does for a living. You know yeah. what will make her life easier. So mm-hmm. I think we need to bring that into our, into yeah. my kind of 
when I start thinking about how I can help my parents or think about what is going to be beneficial to them. And because we always and, think like, I want to buy you yeah. a house. They just, yeah. yeah, we go bad like, or we go with money, you know. And it's yeah, like, it's like I want to buy you a house. I want to get you a car. I want to, and we think of all these big, grand gestures. And yeah. like, fact of the matter is, we're not those people that got a fucking inheritance from our grandparents. Yeah. And they're and... be waiting for a long time for a house. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's not like we're just not there. To right? It takes time. It takes a couple of generations to be able to do that. And I think we compare ourselves to our non-immigrant peers far too mm -hmm. often who didn't have nearly as much of the struggles as we do, or they're in different generations. Like you guys are first gen. Mm -hmm. I'm first gen, right? My kids are going to have more access to more things and they've definitely led a more comfortable life. And when they get older, they're going to have the security that I have, which is you grew up in a house that you own, your college is paid for should you choose to go. And that means that you get to actualize your dreams. Like you don't, you can do that. I don't, I couldn't do that. Like I had to figure out life and, and they can do that. And maybe Maybe that generation, when my kids go and do something great with their lives, maybe they'll want to turn around and help me and they'll have the means to do it. But it will have taken three generations to get there. And I don't think that we we give ourselves enough slack as first-gen immigrant children to know that the people who are doing this for their parents now didn't just do that shit overnight. Mm -hmm. They're probably yeah. like four, five, six generations, you know, yeah, of, yeah. of people yeah. living in this country and amassing their wealth and amassing property and like doing all of these things matter. That's true. It feels like, yeah, we try to do too much in one generation. It just takes time. Yeah. It's always been a frustrating issue for me when I think about that. But yeah, that's a good point. We just have to be patient and not just expect to do those kinds of things just yet, at least. Yeah. I have a question for you, Melly. Is there anything you're doing different now being a parent so that your kids don't grow up i know you know you guys are living a different life now but is there anything you do also specifically so that they don't grow up feeling this like guilt um yeah i actually made a tiktok about like, I it to... i think yesterday um oh, I or yesterday i don't know but yeah it, it was that it was essentially about that do i expect my children to take care of me or what are my expectations of my children or how do i address it and my like i said i have three boys an 11 9 and 4 year old and i picked them up from school last week or wednesday and we were driving and there was this really really old man he could barely see over the steering wheel when he was driving. He was driving like this. And he was going at like five miles an hour in like a 35 mile an hour zone. And I was behind mm -hmm. him and I was like, what the heck is going on? And I pulled up next to him and I realized he's really, really old and he shouldn't be behind the wheel. And so when I saw him, I was like, oh, I was like, that just makes me so sad. And my 11-year-old who sits in the front seat with me, he looks at me, he's like, why, why does that make you sad? And I was like, because it worries me that he doesn't have anyone to take care of him. Or he doesn't have anybody like looking after him because he's clearly too old to be driving around and doing things for himself. He should, he should have someone helping him. And I didn't realize what I had said, but my son looks at me and he's like, well... Why does he have to have someone helping him? And I was like, well, I guess he doesn't have to. But, you know, if my mom, if Mommy Lucy was that old, I would want to help her. And then he's, huh, okay. He's like, am I going to take care of you? Because he's the oldest. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know if you want to. You don't have to. I was like, hopefully by the time that you are, uh, uh, an adult and you have your own family, my retirement and my, my plans for my life are good enough and stay one sufficient enough that you don't have to take care of me. And I was like, but 
if you ever did, I wouldn't want you to feel like you had to. And he's no, he's like, I love you guys. I'll cut I'll I don't think I'll go too far. And I'm like, okay, every kid probably thinks that at some point yeah. in their life, but it got me thinking that I don't want my kids to feel like they owe me. Mm-hmm. It's like they feel like they owe me their love or their finances or their success. Like I want my kids to want to be around me because I was a good supportive parent. And I don't ever want them to feel guilt. And because of that, I don't push my kids. Like our parents, they were like, you have to get all A's in school. And you have to do a yeah. You have to figure it out. I don't ask them what they want to do with their lives. I simply, I simply show them what it's like to work hard by doing it myself and, and showing them, teaching them real life lessons of, hey, if you're going to commit to something, then you're going to see it through. If you give your word to somebody, then you make sure you keep it. If you want people mm-hmm. to trust you, then you make sure you keep your word. Like it's, these are the things that I teach my kids instead of, hey, you got to go to college to be successful and right. you got to make sure that you pick a good job so that you can have, you know, a ton of money. I want them to be passionate about living and I want them to be passionate about something that they genuinely enjoy. I, at 36 years old, discovered that I enjoy podcasting, that this, that I enjoyed this platform, that I enjoy connecting with people and that I didn't have to be a writer to really get these, these stories out there. And Mm -hmm. I don't want them to be 36 years old when they figure that out. I want them to follow their, their passion when they choose to. And I want to support them while they're doing that. And if that somehow teaches them that, Hey, my mom always had my back and I want her, I want to have hers. It doesn't have to mean money. It's. Mm-hmm. I just want you to visit me <laughs> when you have yeah. your kids. I want to be there for my, if I have grandkids someday, I want to be there. I want to be a part of their lives because like, it doesn't matter. Like the, the financial stuff, the tangible like objects, like they don't matter. Like at the end of the day, That's it's so the true. time, right? That you spend with these people and I want them to value that more than anything. And so I don't talk about success with them of like, you got to buy a house someday. You got to own a car someday. Mm-hmm. We talk about yeah, with tangibles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk yeah, about work and, and we talk about work-life balance and we try to show them, you know, by example, my husband and I are very much unlike our parents. We're very like physical with each other in front of our kids. Like I hug my husband and I kiss my husband in front of my kids and my kids aren't like, you know, Um, (laughs) like we were like, if we ever saw our parents, like even holding hands, we're like, oh, gross, you know? And so we had, we kind of had to learn how to be affectionate with our loved ones. Like we're not like that in my house. My kids see their parents kiss. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go make out with daddy in the kitchen. Don't come in here. (laughs) Like, okay, mom, (laughs) because I want my kids to just be, I don't want them to like walk around on eggshells their whole lives and not have time to figure out what they want to do essentially. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing is like them seeing you live joyfully and then also being able to live joyfully. Cause I'm thinking now how growing up, I've never saw my parents like just do stuff for fun. Just be, yeah. Like, yeah. And now that work, they have less cause, to worry about because we're all grown up. Like I see them doing things I never saw them do. And that, what it is basically is joy, like doing things that just make them happy. Yeah. So you're right. Like, I wish I would have seen that growing up, but I understand just different circumstances. Yeah, different now circumstances. as an adult, I struggle to figure out what brings me joy or even being okay with it joy so i love that our parents will get hopefully they get there my mom is i think she's she's born 69 i was like i don't do public math sorry it's she's like <laughs> 54 <laughs> I don't know. um yeah. but she's in her 50s and i think last year for the first time ever she learned how to ride a bike oh in her 50s and she started with like while she was selling quesadillas, some bikers came by and they started to become like her regular customers and they were like her age. 
and they were like, do you want to join our bike riding group? And she was like, oh, I don't know how to ride a bike. So then, of course, it was like a challenge. And they got her a bike for her birthday, her friends. And then they taught her how to ride a bike. And now she does regular bike rides to Venice Beach. She'll, like, go from L.A. Mm -hmm. all the way and then ride back. I'm like, who are you? Like, who is this <laughs> Fun things to do. That's awesome. Yeah. So, like, buy your parents like, a video game system and just watch them just heal their inner child. Kids, and... right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. I'm like, what is going? My mom got Instagram and <laughs> or and Facebook, and I swear I have to constantly wa watch what she's like posting. And I'm like, mom, like, take off <laughs> the picture. But then yeah. I have to like, be understanding with her because I'm like. She never had that, and 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 she's like slowly, finally starting to heal from all the trauma in her life. And I think yeah. all we can do really is support our parents through it and encourage them to mm -hmm. do things like that. Take your—I don't know if you guys have ever been to Disneyland. Oh, I've been a once long, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So my mom took us when we were kids, and when I went down for Mother's Day uh, in May, we—I took mm -hmm. her to Disneyland. And it was like the first time I've seen my mom at Disneyland since I was a kid. And she was yeah. like not watching after little children anymore. It was literally all our siblings. Like we're all grown and mm -hmm. my, my kids. And so my mom was just having the time of her life and all the Star Wars rides and <laughs> everything. She was like, oh my God. And just to see her be a kid and be happy i'm like you know my mom doesn't need me to buy her a house like, yeah there's so many other ways too yeah uh, that's a good point honestly yeah, yeah. Like, you gotta let them be kids and encourage them to do things that they maybe would have loved doing when they were kids yeah that's a good point the beach like, let them fly a kite i'm telling you my mom is like know, now right? finally yeah. doing all these little kid things i'm like you're <laughs> ridiculous but it's the best it's the best to see her like having mm -hmm. fun and enjoying that and just to be a part of it is a huge privilege at least for me yeah no i totally feel that i love seeing that like for my dad it's gardening he loves gardening and it used to be tough because at first you know he comes home from work a laborious job and then he's out in the yard and i'm like papi like aren't you tired don't you want to rest but he's like i love this like this brings me so much joy so even just going around with him in the backyard and he's telling me like all the plantitas and how yeah. they grow and what they are and new plants he's making. And he's yeah. I'm like, just I'm showing like, an interest yeah. in their, in mm -hmm. their, yeah. in their passion, yeah. like buy exactly. him seeds and, and get him a, you know, some, I, I'm a huge plant lover. I'm like been looking at your rubber tree the whole time. The one that's behind you, <laughs> but, oh, but like this. when I go to my mom, I, like, I'm like, mom, let's go to the plant shop. And she's like, there's a plant shop. I was like, there's a lot of plant shops. Uh, He's yeah. <laughs> never like, she buys her plants at the grocery store. I was like, no, let's go. And I took her to this really famous plant shop in LA. And we mm -hmm. spent like four hours there because she was oh. looking at all and every like 10 seconds, it's like, oh, mira and oh, me. <laughs> because that's how our parents react to things that they like. Yeah, and funny. and it's, it's something that she enjoys, you know, just like your dad's plantitas. And if you take them to something like that and then like a brunch, it's so simple. It's so yeah. simple, but they get so much out of it and you learned and you learn a lot about them because yeah. they and they talk yeah. to you yeah. yeah that's what i feel is happening now as an adult i'm like getting to know my parents in a whole different way and i'm like you're so cool i love you <laughs> like we're and i also see well we're a lot alike like all this time i always thought like we're so different we're living different lives and the more i talk to them the more i understand like our struggles look very different, but they're so very similar. And so I'm like, all this time growing up, I thought like, they don't understand me. We don't have anything in common. I'm like, no, we actually have a lot in common. Just it looks different. Yeah. Um, I actually yeah. let my son and I, and I debated on this a little bit. I let him listen to my podcast because he asked me over and over again. He's, can I please listen to the podcast? Can I please listen to the podcast? 
And the only reason I was saying no in the beginning is because the first couple of episodes are rough. They're like domestic violence, sexual assault, like mm-hmm. that sort of deal. And I wasn't sure if he could handle those conversations yet. Uh, but then I realized he may not even understand the context. And so I was like, all right. I was like, but just know that if you have questions or something like that you don't understand, just ask me, okay? He's like, okay. And he listens to the podcast and it's it's funny and interesting to see his reaction to some of the episodes because I talk about people that he knows, like his like his grandma, my mom, and he's I didn't know Mommy Lucy have to deal with that and because that, that's what they call her. And I didn't know mm-hmm. like just all these things and it's nice to see him kind of connect the dots and he has straight up said to me mom, I understand why you do things the way you do sometimes from listening to your podcast. I think that's what we're missing from our parents is we never understood them. And now we're finally getting to know them. That's so true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did you have anything to add to that baby? No, I think we're good here. Yeah. Yeah, It was a pleasure talking to you. Do you have anything else you want to add? I think it was a really good conversation. I, no, I mean, just thank you guys. Good, a, lot of, a lot of good points that, that were made, I think. And I definitely have a bigger understanding of the goat and what I can do to just help my parents. That doesn't mean buying a house. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just a pleasure having you on. We'll have to do it again and I maybe know, have some other conversations. Because I'm sure there's so much to else, talk about. You know? <laughs> Even if we circle around the same things because we always, I always find myself having the same conversations in my head or with other people. So it's always worth revisiting <laughs> if we have to, for sure. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I, yeah. I guess let us, know where, let us know where people can find you or listen to you. So yeah. Chingona's Only Club is on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, on Google Podcasts, just like the major platforms. Also have an Instagram at Chingona's Only Club and a TikTok at Chingona's Only Club. And we have a website, chingonasonlyclub.com, which mostly just, it's just a singular place to go and see our social media. There's some, we have an Amazon storefront there that we're putting together, but keep saying we, and it's just me. I'm it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you guys can, you guys can listen to the pod. Yeah, but definitely, I I know, I'm like, we, my marketing team and I, no, I made my own damn website. (laughs) That's so funny, but definitely really enjoyed like being on, on this discussion with you guys. Cause like I said, it really hit me hard when you guys are talking about it. And obviously I'm very passionate and emotional when it comes to like how we view our parents, how we take care of them. But there is a lot of like guilt with this i'm glad that we get to share that with other first gens and maybe help them deal with their own stuff but i'd love to collab like in the future on other things like i said there's so much more to unpack and the things that we go through every single day but yeah yeah Yeah, just thank you so much for having me it was great thank yeah. you it was so therapeutic too yeah. I love yeah i know i had a good cry and i feel good that's <laughs> <laughs> right. a great sunday after this well with that being said thanks everybody for listening we'll be we hope to see you back again soon hopefully we're on either melly's podcast soon or she comes back soon over here to to join us again for another conversation so either way so just thanks for everything. Yeah, leave a comment, subscribe to both of our stuff if you're new, and I don't know what else. Anything I missed, Melly? No, thanks so much, and see you guys soon, I hope. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. Bye. Bye.